Brunel last night, Maine. The Secretary of State there. Now, that's the difference between these two right now, that the Secretary of State of Maine came to the same conclusion. I want to learn more about that. To do that, we reached out to our friend in Capitol, or not Capitol, CBS National Correspondent, Thane Rosenbaum. Thane, welcome back to News and Views. How are you? How are you, Tyler? Always nice hearing your voice. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and try to get a little bit more understanding of how the Secretary of State in Maine came to the conclusion of what gives them the authority to do this. Excellent questions. Uh, first of all, Maine has a quirk in their uh, election laws. Normally, um, the person who regulates election laws, I'm sure it's true in North, North Dakota as well, is the Secretary of State. That's why, remember, when Donald Trump was trying to get 11,500 more votes in Georgia, he was talking to the Secretary of State of Georgia. Wasn't talking to, so you should keep in mind, when you think of Secretary of State, one of the things they do is regulate elections. So one thing that Maine is different is that that person is empowered in Maine, in that state, to disqualify candidates. And the way it works is that citizens make an argument. They file briefs. It's like a courtroom, except that they're making the arguments to the secretary of state and not to a court of law. So I think about five different uh, Democrats made this argument under a number of different theories, mostly mirroring the same theories of the 14th Amendment disqualification clause by way of an insurrection, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So they made a number of arguments, some of which were rejected, but by and large, the Secretary of State in Maine concluded, yes, there was an insurrection, B, number two, Donald Trump is responsible for it, and C, uh, the the 14th Amendment, even though it was drafted to keep Confederate generals out of the Congress and Senate, can be applied in this situation to a United States president. And and this woman said, she said, the secretary said, I recognize this is an extraordinary thing for me to do. She said it. She goes, I know for me to basically say to the people of Maine, this guy, you can't even write in his name. You can vote for the quarterback of the local high school team if you want, but you can't vote for this guy. I get it. But I think that he is so uh, responsible for an insurrection, and 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 that the people who drafted the Fourteenth Amendment had this in mind. It doesn't exempt a president. If the president uh, 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 violates his oath to the Constitution and is engaged in insurrectionist activity, he or she is deprived of running for public office again. So it's just now you have another case, but it didn't go before court. So now the next step will be they will take it to the first court in Maine uh, and to see whether the uh, a, a state court will will affirm this decision or change it. Again, what's different in Colorado? It ha- it went to three courts: trial court, appellate court, Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court of Colorado ultimately ruled that Donald Trump is disqualified. The question that keeps coming in, mainly from supporters of uh, the former president and uh, these shows here in North Dakota, Minnesota, and South Dakota, and Montana, is there has not been a, anybody who's deemed this an insurrection. Prosecutors haven't said this is an insurrection. So how can they disqualify him on something that hasn't been publicly stated as such? Yeah, uh, you, Tyler, I understand why your listeners would say that. It's a great question. No court has ruled that even—forget Donald Trump—no court has ruled that what happened on January 6th was an insurrection. 
You can call it a right. You can call it whatever you want. But it isn't legally been determined that that's what it was. Secondly, remember, Colorado is in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> they weren't anywhere near January 6th. They made these findings without a trial. They didn't conduct a trial. They basically read the, the Congressional Select Committee on January 6th report and said, okay, it's an insurrection. But, but when Jack Smith, the special counsel, filed his lawsuit against prosecution against Donald Trump, he, even in Washington, D.C., the word insurrection is not part of the criminal indictment. Um, he's, Donald Trump is accused of a number of things, obstruction of, of a federal meeting in progress, lying to the uh, public about the election, but not an insurrection. So, yes, it's an interesting question. How is it that courtrooms can make these decisions without actually having a jury uh, ultimately sitting and evaluating the evidence? That question then I think is going to be answered by probably the Supreme Court is what I think everybody's watching here, that you're going to have Maine, you're going to have Colorado. Our neighboring state where I'm sitting right now in Minnesota had the same question before them uh, of whether or not that he is eligible to be on the ballot or not, and they allowed him to continue on. So even with – if they want to say these are blue states, these are Democrats doing this, you know, all the old narratives that you hear out here, Thane, uh, it's not universal. And as you point out, Maine saying, I know this is extraordinary – I've read some of the same attitude, I think, in Colorado. There's a reason there was a split vote there and saying, look, we just don't know, but the majority of this court does believe in our interpretation that this does disqualify. Is this going to be fast-tracked? I mean, is the Supreme Court going to get involved in January of this coming election year? Yeah, they'd have to, uh, Tyler, because uh, normally people don't really know, realize this. Supreme Court decisions really all come out in June. They hear the cases throughout the year, but especially the cases, big ticket cases, the ones that everyone's they come out on the literally just before July 4th. Super Tuesday is March 5th, I think, or March 6th. So they cannot wait until June. They're going to have to, if they're going to take this up, they will have schedule oral arguments and briefing very quickly um, because apparently it takes a while to get these ballots printed mm-hmm. and ready and shipped off to X. Ex- Patriots living elsewhere, or the military who are citizens, they have to get these ballots. So there's going to be a speed is going to be essential if the Supreme Court chooses to hear it. I assume they will, because you're right. Minnesota and Michigan have already ruled that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply, and you can't disqualify the president. Oregon is about to probably have the same ruling. There's another 25 or 26 states that are lining up, and they might you know, either do what Maine did or do what Colorado did. But in a situation when you have split, right, Minnesota said this and Colorado said this, that's exactly an invitation for the Supreme Court. They always say, hey, if there's a conflict among courts, then we have to, especially when it deals with a constitutional issue, we got to step in and explain it. So, yeah, it's precisely because Colorado and Minnesota pick different sides that you're going to hear this and you're going to hear it quickly. The court of public opinion, pun not necessarily intended, uh, varies on this because I got messages in from listeners saying, you know, backers, that this is only going to embolden his base, that if, in fact, it's decided that he is eligible, this is going to rile them up more to get out and vote. I don't know that they could be more worked up to go vote for their guy. But on the flip side, if the court, the Supreme Court, that is, comes out with, I think, some of the, you know, 
lack of public confidence that they once had. You're going to have people on the, the Democratic side, the liberal side, saying, well, look, look at the makeup here. Three of those Supreme Court justices were appointed by the guy they're now deciding whether or not he could be on the ballot. That's not a good combination for us, I don't think they're saying. Yeah, Tyler, you're right. We've seen that before. But I'll tell you one thing. You know, conservative justices, Supreme Court in general, but the conservative justices like to move incrementally. And they believe in the separate, in many cases, although many people say not when it comes to abortion, but, you know, the concept of the separation of powers. And what's, what's interesting about the case in Colorado and in Maine is that the founding fathers, and remember, you know, conservatives love to go back to the originalist meaning of the Constitution, right? They say it's what is the original meaning of it? What, what did Madison and Hamilton intend when they exchanged the Federalist Papers in drafting the Constitution? What was in their mind? I'll tell you one of the things conservatives will say, and certainly these conservative justices will find an appealing uh, argument, which is our founding fathers were obsessed with representative democracy. They were sick and tired of being told what to do by King George III. And when they separated from King George III, they loved the idea of going and electing your local representatives and let them represent you, right? That to them was the, the key moment of what American democratic uh, governance means. And Colorado Supreme Court said, guess what? You guys can't vote for this person. <laughs> you, know, you can't. We won't let you go vote for this person. And I think that that argument that it's ultimately anti-democratic, that you're taking the franchise away from people who want to vote, is something that I think this conservative Supreme Court, I, you know what I think? I think it's possible. I'm often wrong, Tyler, so don't bet on me. You and me both. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm often wrong, but I think you're going to see liberals voting also that Colorado got it wrong. I think they're going to say, you know what, it's not our business to look to an 1868, you know, little provision in the 14th Amendment that really applied mostly to Confederate generals. That's what it was about. And to apply it here to Donald Trump. When the word president does not appear in Section 3, it says Senate and Congress, doesn't say president. And there's been no finding of fact that, A, there was an insurrection, and, B, that he caused it. Well, Thane, if you're wrong, I'm going down with you because you and I have the same (laughs) prediction. I I was saying that the other day when Colorado had their announcement. I said, look, this is going to get to the Supreme Court, and it's going to be overturned. So if you're wrong, yep. I'm wrong, my friend, and we'll just be wrong together. <laughs> At least there's two of us. I'm, uh, at least I'll be in good company. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you're too kind, my friend. Uh, Thane, anything else about this or uh, the trail that you want to get out before I let you go and enjoy the New Year's Eve? Oh, you're very kind to do that. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I've never been in North Dakota, but I, I promise to come there once and visit you. Um, but I would say, yeah, no, this is a big, this is a, this is a big story, you know, now because. Donald Trump has been saying all along that all the cases against him are really against the American people. He keeps saying that, right? In this case, it might, he may be right (laughs) because this really isn't really, and how you know this, because Donald Trump appealed to the Colorado decision and you know who else did the Republican party as if to say we're Republican registered voters in Colorado. We get it. It's a blue state. We know the blue but we're still here we're conservatives we live in this state and we're bringing our own lawsuit because this takes away our right to vote mm-hmm. 
Well, it'll be interesting to follow along. Interesting times. And if you, when you come to North Dakota, wait for August. It's, it's pleasant here <laughs> yeah. and I don't come in January or, or February. We'll wait till August then. We'll welcome except, you. Except Tyler, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but except I'm told I won't be able to see your hockey team, the North Dakota Fighting Sioux. So if yeah. I'm told they're the best hockey team in the country. So if I want to watch hockey, I got to come now. Yeah, that is true. If you're a hockey buff, uh, uh, UND, <laughs> they're getting back in action tonight on the home base here of the News and Views Radio Network. David, it's always a pleasure to visit. Let's do this again soon, all right? All right, my friend. Be well. Uh, Happy yeah, New Year. Well. Happy New Year to you. Thane Rosenbaum again with uh, CBS. He's one of our national correspondents. Getting all the latest. Some of you are, are rightfully angry about it. Uh, having that description of what Maine's Secretary of State's duties are versus, say, like Michael Howe in North Dakota, what he can and can't do, I needed that explanation to help you got it as well.